Thank you, thank you. What's up, ICF Church? You guys doing good tonight? Awesome. Well, thank you so much. You can have a seat. And I just want to say what a great honor it is for me to be here. Uh, this is obviously our third service of the day, and we've saved the best service of all. Can I get an amen? Amen. Hey, I'm so thankful that you've come, especially on a rainy, a little cool evening, but uh, it will be well worth your time. My wife, Michelle, and I uh, have been here for a few days, and we've had the opportunity to explore and to get to see your amazing country. And uh, before I tell you a little bit about what we've been doing, I, would, I want to personally introduce you to my better half, my wife, Michelle, who happens to be right here. Come on, honey, stand up. Stand up. I'm proud of my wife. So we have uh, three amazing kids. In fact, I think we may even have a picture of our, of our family. Do we have the picture? There they are. And this is my crew. And so our amazing kids, we have three uh, children, our daughter, Rebecca, our daughter, Ashlyn, and our son, Luke. Our, our son, Luke, is the redhead. Uh, I'll tell a little bit more about him in just a second. But uh, our oldest daughter got married about two years ago to a, a wonderful young man. And uh, our daughter, Ashlyn, who's the next to the oldest, she got married in June to a wonderful young man. And so uh, we have two amazing son-in-laws that we've added to our family. So we have two that are married. And uh, my son, Luke, he's still single. So uh, he's starting, he start, starts college this fall. And uh, we're very, very proud of my three, uh, our three children. All three uh, love the Lord and are serving the Lord. And we couldn't be more proud. But I want you to know um, tonight, as we are here with all of you, uh, even though we're away from our, our, our family, uh, we, we just count it an honor to be a part of a spiritual family that's global all over the world. Amen. Isn't it awesome to know that, you know, we can talk about other places around the world, but yet all be connected and be a part of one big spiritual family. My wife, Michelle and I uh, have just fallen in love. We have uh, just grown to love the people here in Switzerland, even though we've been here for such a short amount of time. Uh, uh, we've seen a lot of the countryside. We went to Lucerne when, when we arrived into town. We went uh, Friday to Lucerne. We spent all day yesterday touring Zurich and uh, just been absolutely amazing and a beautiful country and uh, beautiful people and just looking forward to the rest of our time together. But I want to dive into tonight's message. Are you guys ready to receive from God tonight? Yes. Turn to your neighbor, give him a high five and say, let's do this. All right. Because tonight we're going to learn something that I think is going to be very, very practical and helpful to you. I want to talk to you tonight about the subject of passion. I think it's so important that we understand really God's plan and God's purposes for our lives, but also think that if we're really going to fulfill the destiny that God has for us, in order for us to really fulfill God's plans and God's purposes, I believe we need to do it with great passion. A number of years ago, uh, my family and I had the opportunity to go on a vacation to the country of Mexico, and we happened to uh, do some snorkeling. And so we did this snorkel cruise where uh, we went out on some boats, and uh, just before we dove into the beautiful waters, uh, the instructor wanted us to make sure that we followed uh, something that was called the check-in 
and check out rule. And basically what that meant was that, you know, when you're, when you're face down, when you're snorkeling, it's easy to get distracted by all the beautiful creatures below, you know, the water. And if you're not careful, you can also be carried out to sea by the, by the strong current. And so it's important that you, that you literally look up and you get yourself oriented and you check in with the boat and to get oriented and to know where the instructor is because at any given in any given moment if you're not careful again the current can cause you to drift out to sea to where eventually if you're not paying attention you will check out and so it's important that you check in because if you don't you'll check out and the same is true in our own spiritual life it's important that we learn how to check in each and every day with God so that we can stay connected with him so that we can plug into his power source and ultimately so that we can be filled with the passion that he wants us to live our lives with. And so what I want to do for a few moments is I want to share with you about the importance of passion and why we should live passionate lives each and every day. In fact, it's been said that nothing great is ever accomplished without passion. As a matter of fact, the driving force behind all music and literature and art is driven by what? It's driven by passion. In fact, it's what drives scientists to discover new cures for dreaded diseases. It is what drives athletes to break world records because they are driven with a sense of passion. You see, without passion, life in many ways, can become boring. It becomes mundane. It, it doesn't seem to have as much meaning or purpose. But yet when we live life with real passion, I'm talking about the passion that God puts inside of our hearts, it is, it is worth everything because it brings excitement, it brings joy, it brings purpose and fulfillment to our everyday lives. There was a young man who approached Jesus one day, and he proposed a question to him. Now, this young man happened to be one who was uh, very educated. In fact, he was considered to be an expert in religious law. And so there was a lot of debate and a lot of arguing going back and forth uh, related to the scribes and the Pharisees, and they were trying to cross every T and dot every I to make sure every letter of the law was being obeyed and interpreted correctly. And so this religious leader, this amazingly smart, intelligent individual, this expert in the law, asked Jesus a very important question. And here's what he asked him. He said, Jesus, of all of the commandments, what would you consider to be the most important? Well, Jesus, without, of course, blinking an eye, quickly responded to the young man's question. And he said these words in Mark chapter 12, verse 30. Now, I'm going to share with you a little bit of a different kind of translation tonight, okay? So bear with me. You may not be familiar with this new translation. It's called the Passion Translation. Very similar to maybe the message paraphrased, but I love the language of the modern contemporary, you know, um, descriptive words that it gives. And I love the fact that it's the Passion Translation, since we're talking about passion tonight. And here's what Jesus said. He said, the most important of all the commandments is this. You're to love the Lord your God with every passion, with every passion of your heart, with all of the energy of your being, 
with every thought that is within you, and with all of your strength. This is the supreme commandment. And of course, Jesus followed that up by saying, and a second is equally is important, and that is you must love your neighbor as yourself. Another way of saying that is you may, must be just as preoccupied about those around you as you are preoccupied with yourself. You see, it's important that if we're going to live lives with passion, it's important that we give it everything you got. And the reason why Jesus is emphasizing this, he summarized basically all of the, the commandments in, in the Old Testament. He was basically saying they can all be summarized by these two important truths, love God and love people. Give God and give people everything you've got because Jesus was basically saying, hey, if you're gonna be a follower of mine, you're gonna have to take up your cross daily and follow me. In other words, hey, this Christian life is not a life for wimps. It is going to call, it is gonna cause us to live a life of sacrifice, complete abandonment and commitment. We gotta give God everything we got. Because there are too many, listen, there are too many temptations, there are too many distractions, there are too many things that, that the culture today is luring us and pulling us into that's causing us to drift further away from God as opposed to driving us closer to God. So if we're going to live passionate lives, we've got to also be aware of the fact that there are some things out there that can serve as big distractions that can rob us or perhaps quench the passion within our hearts. I love what Romans chapter 12, verse 11 says in the Passion Translation. translation. It says, be enthusiastic to serve the Lord. Notice, keeping your passion. So if you gotta keep it, that means you can lose it. So you gotta work hard at it. You gotta keep your passion toward him boiling hot. And then he goes on to say, radiate with the glow of the Holy Spirit and let him fill you with excitement as you serve him. So Paul is saying, hey, we got to be enthusiastic each and every day. Hey, we need to keep our fire, keep our passion boiling hot. And we got to make sure that we don't allow our lives to be distracted by the things of this world. But we got to keep our hearts passionate for God. So the question is, is that how do we know if we start to lose our passion? How do we know if we find ourselves getting distracted or drifting to the point to where we check out and we're no longer living the life like we could or should? We're no longer having the impact or maybe having influence in the way that we could or should. And to be honest with you, it's kind of like drifting. It's subtle. And before you realize it, you can drift further and further and further away until you eventually check out. And sadly, what happens is that when your head's down, in other words, when you're distracted and preoccupied by everything going on in your life, what happens? You lose focus. It can happen just like that. To where suddenly now you're doing things that you thought you'd never do. Now you're associating with people you never thought you'd be around. Now you're going to places you said you'd never go. And it happens quicker than you can ever imagine. So if you have something to write with tonight, I want to encourage you to jot down or write down some very important, what I call, checklist. What I'm going to do for a few moments is I'm going to give you seven passion killers. These are the things that will kill your passion. I like to say it this way. They're enthusiasm spasms. 
Have you ever had a spasm before where you're walking and then all of a sudden you kind of get a little cramp and you're no longer able to walk, you know, as smooth as you'd like? And the reason why is because you got a spasm in your leg. Same thing can happen in our spiritual lives. You get an enthusiasm spasm. And as a result, it robs you and cripples you from living the life that God intended for you to live. So here are seven passion killers that I want to encourage you to write down. Number one is this, an unclear purpose. In Isaiah 49, verse 4, it says these words, But my work seems so useless. I've spent my strength for nothing and to no purpose. Let me ask you a question. Do you ever feel like you wake up, you go to school, you go to work, and it's the same thing over and over and over and over, day in, day out, and you find yourself asking the question, what is all of this for? What good is all of this doing? To what purpose am I living my life for? And so we gotta understand that it's so important that listen, our purpose is what guides us, but our passion is what drives us. So we gotta realize the importance of having a clear purpose for our lives because when it's unclear, here's what I've come to realize. When you lose your way, excuse me, when you lose your why, you lose your way. It's important to, to forget about the why. It's, 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 listen, it, it's easy sometimes to, to, to forget about the, the why in our lives, which serves as our purpose. And if, we're, if we forget why we do what we do, then we eventually drift. We, we don't, no longer have a clear vision for our lives. So the first is a unclear purpose. And here's what a clear purpose will do. Number one, it gives you passion. Number two, it gives you motivation. Number three, it gives you direction. And it gives you purpose. So when you have a clear purpose for your life, it puts fuel in your tank spiritually, mentally, emotionally, relationally. In every area of your life, you're giving clarity. Why? Because you're driven now by a clear vision and purpose. But when you don't have a clear purpose, it's going to rob you of the passion that you should be living for. Number two is unused talent. Unused talent. First Corinthians chapter seven, verse 17, the apostle Paul said these words, may all believers continue to live the wonderful lives God has called them to live. According to what, notice carefully, he has assigned for each person. So what we need to realize is that God has given us all an assignment. God did not place you on this planet, and after he placed you on this planet, look at you and say, hmm, now what am I going to do with him? What in the world am I going to do with her now? No, 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 no. You have a divine design. 
God planned you for a purpose. He placed you on this planet for a reason so that you could make a difference for him, like a ripple effect so that you could make an impact on the next generation and beyond. Listen, God has placed within you a talent and he doesn't want you to sit on your talent. He doesn't want you to sit without a clear sense of purpose. No, he wants you to take your talents and he wants you to use them to fulfill his purpose, to bring honor to his name and glory to his name and to advance his purposes and to make an impact that will last for all eternity. Now listen, your career is what you get paid for. But your calling is what you're made for. So we need to understand that when God, listen, when he places within us a sense of destiny and purpose, he's given us talents that we need to use. Why? Because those are talents that he has assigned to our lives. Number three, if you're taking notes, is this. It's an unbalanced schedule. So the thing that will rob us or kill the passion is an unclear purpose. It's an unused talent, but it's also an unbalanced schedule. In other words, our schedules can be full, and yet our lives can be empty. You know what busy stands for? How many of you feel like you're busy? You ever feel like you're busy? You know, I talk to people, you know, in the States where we live, you'll talk to somebody and say, oh, how things going? Oh, man, slammed, so busy, (laughs) got so much going on. You know, it's just kind of like the the natural response. You know, everybody's, oh, man, just got so many plates spinning right now, just so busy. You know what busy stands for? Being under Satan's yoke. And if we're not careful, let me tell you something, it will rob you of the very passion that God has placed inside of you. Why? Because busyness will rob us. It serves as a distraction. It's what causes us to drift further and further to the point to where we check out. And that's why it's so important that we keep in consideration our schedules and we gotta make room for God. Listen, God is not an afterthought. God is not somebody we squeeze in one day a week. God is not somebody that we're doing a favor for when it comes to spending some time with him. No, 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 no. He's everything. He's not a piece of our life. He is our life. That's why the Bible says, that's why Jesus said in Matthew 6, he said, seek first, not last, Seek first, not when you can. No, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then what? And then all those other things, all the other details, all the other stuff will fall into place. God says, hey, I'll take care of all those other things as long as you put me first. Put me at the first of your day. Put me at the first of your week. Hey, put me at the first of your relationships. Put me in the first of your job and your career. Put me first in everything and watch what I can do with time and how God will use every area of your life to accomplish even greater things. Why? Because you are putting him first in your life. So he wants to be first, not last. Don't get that in reverse order. Number four is unconfessed sin. In Psalm 38, verse four, the psalmist says these words, my guilt overwhelms me. It is a burden too heavy to bear. I don't know about you, but I know in my own life, 
when I find myself not where I could be or not where I should be in my spiritual life, when I find myself lacking passion and lacking a sense of clarity of vision and purpose, sometimes it may just be because I'm not spending as as much time or quality time or intimacy with God as I could or should. You see, I'm as guilty as anybody else in this room as far as getting busy or distracted or putting other things at times before God. I confess to you that. But I do know this, that when I find myself in those places, the burden that I'm carrying, you know what? Becomes heavy. And I sense it. You begin to say things you shouldn't have said, do things you shouldn't have done. And all of a sudden, the burden gets heavier and heavier. You can start making decisions, choices, It'll take you further and further away from God. You end up doing things you will later regret. And what happens? You have unconfessed sin. And over the course of time, that unconfessed sin suddenly just robs everything that God wants you to experience. God never intended for you to live each and every day overwhelmed by unnecessary guilt or shame or sense of condemnation. God wants you to be freed up Listen, Jesus died for your sin and for mine. And aren't you thankful, 1 John 1, 9, this is not on the screen, but 1 John 1, 9. Listen, God promises that if we will just confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of those sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. All we have to do is check back in with God. All we got to do is say, God, thank you for your cross. God, thank you for the blood that Jesus shed on the cross for my sin. Thank you that Jesus not only died on the cross, but he was raised back to life. And the same power that rose Jesus from the grave is able to free me from the burden of sin that I'm carrying. And so we got to realize that, hey, unconfessed sin can rob us from our passion. Number five is this unresolved conflict. In Job chapter 18, verse four, Job said these words, you are only hurting yourself with your anger. Isn't it amazing how we can be wrong with people? We can be wrong with a family member, be wrong with a coworker. We can be wrong with people in our lives. In other words, the relationships get they get messy. They get complicated. Why? Because we, we find ourselves maybe, again, doing things or saying things that we later regret. And what happens? We, we have misunderstandings. What happens? There, there are certain things that creep into the relationship. And those little things become big things over time. And all of a sudden, we, begin, we can find ourselves growing resentful. We, we carry this unresolved anger toward somebody or maybe something that somebody did to us or something that somebody said to us or something about us that we later found out. And we carry all of this, this anger and resentment. But here's the issue. The issue is, is that if we are not right with other people, we cannot be right with God. So in order for us to be vertically right with God, we got to be horizontally right with people. So we got to make things right between others so we can make things right between us and God. And here's what I've come to realize. I've come to realize that, listen, when it comes to the issue of sin and unconfessed sin, and when it comes to the issue of, of maybe just the, the whole conflict in our lives and all the anger that we carry, you know what? Bitterness 
can settle in our hearts. And if we're not careful, it can destroy who we are. And here's the thing about bitterness. It's been said that bitterness is like holding a match. It only burns the one that's holding it. And here's another thing I've heard about unresolved conflict. Bitterness happens when the expiration date on forgiveness has passed. So we got to learn to forgive and to forget and move on. Aren't you thankful that God looks at you and he looks at me? And when we fall and we mess up and we fall into sin, God wants to forgive, he wants to forget, and he wants to move on, amen? Because he's more concerned about our relationship. He just wants us to be in right relationship with him. Number six, if you're taking notes. So we've looked at a number of things. We've looked at number one, we've talked about the unclear purpose that can rob us from our passion. We've talked about unused talent. We've talked about an unbalanced schedule. We've talked about unconfessed sin and unresolved conflict, but what about an unsupported life? In Ecclesiastes chapter four, verses nine and 10, it says two people are better off than one for they can help each other succeed. If, if one person falls, the other can reach out and help, but someone who falls alone is in what? Real trouble. I don't know about you, but I know there have been times in my life where I just needed someone there to be with me when I needed hope and encouragement, someone to speak a life into me. And it's easy sometimes when you maybe are lacking a sense of purpose and a, maybe you lack a clear vision for your life and, and maybe you feel a little bit alone and isolated and insecure about a lot of different things going on in your life. Maybe you're at odds with somebody, there's some conflict, there's some unresolved issues. You know, it's easy sometimes to feel overwhelmed by all of that to the point to where you want to check out. Intentionally, you check out. In other words, you just want to isolate yourself. You want to get alone. You want to kind of hibernate over here and have a little pity party about how difficult life is and how, how bad your problems are. And all of a sudden, your problems get bigger and bigger and bigger while your view of God gets smaller and smaller and smaller. And what you need in that moment is not isolation. What you need in that moment is not to drift further and further away from God and from his church. What you need in that moment is you need to run back to the church. You need to run back to God. You need to check in with a spiritual family who can speak life and speak hope and speak, listen, encouragement and speak new beginnings into your life to help you get through the difficulties of life. Because you can't do it alone. Life's too short to do life alone. We need other people. Listen, your tribe determines your vibe. You need people in your life that will help lift your spirit and it can help you see what God has in store for you. And so when you surround yourself with the right kind of people, I'm telling you, those people can be the friends that can help you get through the difficulties of life. That's why, listen, I'm a strong believer in small groups. If you're not in a small group, you need to get in a small group. If you don't know about a small group, there's plenty of small groups here to plug into. Listen, start a group. Just get in a group. Why? Because life is better together. Amen. We need one another. You have brothers and sisters spiritually that want to do life with you. 
And so we need to understand that an unsupported life is something that will rob us from our passion. And then number seven, here's the seventh passion killer, is an undernourished spirit. In the book of Colossians chapter two, verses six and seven, it says these words, Paul said, and now just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, notice, you must continue to follow him. So in other words, there's more to it than just praying a prayer and saying, okay, I've invited Jesus into my life. That's wonderful, and that's the first and most important step for anybody to take. But notice what he said. You must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him, and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong, and the truth you were taught, listen, you will overflow with thankfulness. So you got to realize that, listen, an undernourished spirit, one that is not growing, one is not, one that is not flourishing, one that is not expanding, one that is not really being stretched to step outside of its comfort zone to grow and to become all that God has created us to be is an undernourished spirit. And the only way that we can allow our soul, our spirits to be nourished is to check in with God daily. Because if we don't, once again, we're gonna check out. And how do we do that? Spend time in his word, spend time in prayer, spend time around the right kind of people. Share your faith, tell your story. Because when we are living our lives with intentionality, listen, we find ourselves growing. Why? Because our spirit is being filled, it's being fed and it's being stretched and we're growing and developing and reaching the full redemptive potential that God has placed inside of us. So you may be here today and you're thinking, well, what do I do if these seven areas of my life or some of these things that you've talked about are true of me? What do I do if, if I've gone through this list of seven passion killers, enthusiasm spasms that have robbed me from my joy or my sense of purpose? What do I do? How do I get my passion back? How do I get my joy back? How do I get my enthusiasm? Which by the way, you know where the word enthusiasm comes from? It's, it's, it's a Latin derivative of in, and of course, theos is the study of God. So our enthusiasm comes from who? God. It comes where? From within. So God places that enthusiasm inside of our hearts. And so we got to say, God, I want that enthusiasm. I want that passion. I want that joy back in my life. Well, Jesus said there are three ways that you can get it back. If you've lost it, if you've abandoned it, if you've walked away from it, if you've drifted, if you've checked out, Jesus is saying, here's how you check back in. Here's how you get it back. Here's how you rekindle the flame. Here's how you get your heart boiling hot again. In Revelation chapter two, Jesus was talking about a church called the church at Ephesus. And he was complimenting this church about all the wonderful things that it was doing, things it was accomplishing, even commending the church about its beliefs and its strong convictions and how it, it had not wavered or compromised, but how it had stayed true to the faith. And yet at the same time, in one way, Jesus is complimenting this church for all the good things that it was doing. But then in Revelation chapter two, verse four, Jesus follows a compliment with a complaint. And here's what he said. He said, I hold this against you, 
because you have forsaken the love that you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen and repent and do the things you did at first. So he said three things that you got to do. Number one, you got to remember. You got to remember. You know, when I was 18 years of age, I gave my life to Jesus Christ. I grew up in a Christian home, was religious, but like so many other people, I had a head knowledge of Jesus, but not a heart knowledge of Jesus. And so when I was 18 years of age, I put my faith and put my trust in Jesus Christ. By faith, I made Jesus the Lord of my life. I tell people all the time, I'm not what I wanna be. I'm not what I ought to be, but I'm thankful I'm not what I used to be because Jesus changed me. He gave me a new hope, a new life, a new beginning, a new purpose. But just like many of us, perhaps, there have been many, many times where I've abandoned that. I've drifted, gotten distracted, got busy, had good intentions, but I got busy. It's amazing how the Lord will always challenge me to go back and remember. Remember that night that I gave my life to Jesus. I remember when God called me to preach into the ministry. I'll never forget I went into a hotel room and I laid down on some really, really gross, stinky, gnarly, orange shag carpet. And I put my face, literally planted my nose. I was laying prostrate on the stinky old carpet with tears coming down my face. And I said, God, I'm all yours. And I surrendered my life into full-time ministry. Sometimes God has to remind me to go back and remember those first moments, those first experiences, just those first glimpses that I had of truly walking in the closeness and in the intimacy that I will never, ever, ever forget. And then he said to do something else, not just remember, but he said, repent, repent. You know what repentance is a picture of? Repentance is a picture of you living your life this way, moving further and further away from God. And then you realize I'm going in the wrong direction. And I agree that I'm headed in the wrong direction. And as a result, I make a 180, I turn, I repent, and I tell God, God, I'm sorry. I agree with you that my life was going in the wrong direction. But God, now I'm moving back into your plans and into your purposes. And I'm asking you to forgive me and give me a second chance so that I can live out your good, pleasing, and perfect will for me. And as a result, we can remember, but it's important for us to make a 180 that we actually repent and get back into the right relationship with God. And then he said, you got to repeat. He said, go back and do the first works. Hey, so whatever you used to do when you first met Jesus, go back. Hey, if you're married, if you're in this place, listen, hey, go back and redate your mate. Take her back to the place where you had your first date. Hey, go and do the things that you used to do. Hey, do the things you did at first. Why is that so important? Because if we don't, listen, we'll continue to drift. We'll continue to go further and further away from where God desires for us to be. We'll check out. 
but we've got to learn to check back in so that we can get, regain our passion, so we can get the fire, so that our hearts can be boiling hot, so that we can see God's plans and God's purposes clearly, the vision that He has for our lives suddenly become our greatest passion and our greatest sense of destiny because we know we're living our lives for an audience of one to make a difference that's going to push back the gates of hell and to leave a lasting legacy that will last for all eternity for His kingdom and for His glory. Let's get our passion back, church. Amen? Let's get our passion back. Let's bow our heads together in a moment of prayer. And as our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed for just a moment, I just want to say, if you're here in this place and maybe you're a follower of Jesus, maybe you've put your faith and your trust in the person of Jesus and you know Him as your Savior. But maybe you're here and you're thinking, I've drifted. I'm not where I could be. I'm not where I should be. These seven passion killers you've talked about, I'm guilty of some of those. I've lost my fire. I've lost my focus. And I want to get it back. Or maybe in the quietness of this moment, right there at your seat, you just need to have a conversation with God. Maybe you need to remember. You need to repent. Tonight, you need to make a fresh commitment in your heart to repeat and go back and do the things that you used to do. For some of you here tonight, maybe you came and a friend invited you and maybe what's missing in your life is a clear sense of purpose. Maybe you're unsure, you're uncertain about your relationship with God, but you'd like to know and you would like to have the peace and the assurance about where you stand with God. And if that's your heart, if that's your need, and that's something you would like to know and understand tonight, in other words, you would like to establish a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. It's as simple as a, as a prayer of faith that we pray in our hearts. The reason why it's so simple and easy is because Jesus went through the hard part for all of us. He died on a cross. He spilt his blood for our sin. He was crucified, he was placed into a tomb and he came back to life because he loves you. He wants a relationship with you. He wants to restore you and he wants you to know him and to experience his plans and his purposes for your life. And if that's your need, would you be willing to pray this prayer in your heart? Just say something like this, just say, dear God, I confess to you that I'm a sinner and I turn from my sin. Tonight, I invite you into my life to forgive me and to save me and to change me. Thank you, Jesus, for saving my soul. As our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, no one's looking. If you prayed that prayer just then, can I rejoice with you? Would you let me know by just simply holding up your hand high toward heaven in this place, saying, yes, I prayed that prayer. I'm not ashamed to admit it. Just lift up your hand high toward heaven tonight, saying, yes, count me in. I just prayed that prayer. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Father, I pray for these that lifted their hands. God, who just made life's greatest decision in their hearts from other brothers and sisters in Christ who just in their hearts tonight maybe made a fresh commitment, a new commitment in their heart to, to get back to the purposeful, passionate life, God, they long to experience. God, we know that as we come close to you, you 
promise that you would come close to us. We pray this and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Come on, let's worship the Lord tonight.